Hey everybody, welcome to Public Access America's Just, Just the, the Tip. tip. <laughs> hey, how you doing? I wanted to start this because I thought to myself, we all have this information in our heads that could help somebody else from falling into the same pitfalls that we fell in. So if you have one of those tips, a one-sentence tip, 15 to 30 second tip, go ahead and make a voicemail and send that off to publicaccessamerica at gmail.com. Thanks. Your experiences matter, and they could help somebody else. My tip is in creating accessible social media content. Keep your tweets or posts succinct and to the point. People with attention deficit disorders or reading disabilities may miss out on critical information if it's not first and foremost. That's my tip. What's yours? It's time now for something positive. We might be headed to the promised land of speaking the truth and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. Problem can only be solved when there is a kind of coalition of conscience. conscience. Because that is how it works. This is the beginning, it is not the finale, and that's why we're here, and that's why we rally, 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 rally. We've got to be that creative minority, creative minority, creative minority. Find a way to get in the way. I got in trouble. It was good trouble. It was necessary trouble. Frankly, I know we've got to do something. news on public access america what that's crazy hey everybody how you doing welcome to public access america my name is still jason his name i'm assuming is still jeffrey and we are here as we are every week in our live stream to talk about the world and the weirdness going on in it from our perspective jeffrey is this kind of what hell is is this one of the rungs of hell where you and i just sit in eternity talking about a world that's burning down around us I was, the funny thing was, is I was having this conversation with somebody. I'm like, they're like, what do you think happened? Like, where did we go wrong? I'm, and I keep the running joke for me is, is that, you know, if I had a time machine, I'd go back to 2015 and tell them not to shoot the gorilla at the zoo. Yeah. Cause everything seemed to went, everything seemed to go to hell right after that. I think it was right after 2012, believe it or not, the Mayan calendar, we discovered the God particle. And I think that messed us up. We finished the periodic table. We found the final element. You know, we know, we know where all 12 dimensions are. And now it's just like, we're fucked up. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm just waiting for, you know, either the world ending comet or asteroid or alien civilization to find us at this point, because, you know, fuck it. Why not? You know, <laughs> yeah. either, I, I, yeah, either, either it's going to be a weird day or I'm not going to have to go to work. <laughs> right. I mean, where can it go from here? Right. I mean, you know, honestly, you think about it, like what happens if aliens show up on this planet? Do you think anybody's going to go to work the next day? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know. That's a weird, weird sort of thing for me. It's one of those fun things that I imagine, but that I know isn't real. And so that's a tough one for me. My belief is that there's been 
five civil there's been five civilizations we're in the last latest civilization and aliens mm-hmm. are just people that have escaped the implosion of their civilization that there isn't there isn't life from other worlds like on pluto or something but there is mm-hmm. life out there that maybe you know avoided their apocalypse and they're coming back down to get dna cuz they're turning gray and they don't like it you know <laughs> You know, that's, I was having that, and that's another one of those. I was having that conversation with somebody and, you know, when you think about, you know, what we know about the universe, you know, our estimate is, is that the universe is about 13.6 billion years old. Now our tiny little rock floating around a star is about 4.6 billion years old. And in that time frame all of written human histories condensed down into approximately what? 5,000 years. Five, 6,000 years. Egypt is 5,000 years ago. Peru is 5,000 years ago. When then, but then you also have the Sumerians and all of that too. And that was right. right around that time as well. So, I mean, you, you have, you know, maybe even a little older. So you, you have all of these different civilizations. I mean, even like written language in, in China and Japan dates back, you mm-hmm. know, several thousand years. Right. It's based so on you have, something. So you have all of these different written forms and, and, and all of what we understand history to be um, written is only 5,000 years old through fossil records. We're finding stuff, you know, billions of years old that existed on this planet. You know, it's, yeah, it's non-complex life forms. I mean, you know, the idea that we've had anything else complex living here is Mm -hmm. we haven't found anything beyond, you know, we haven't found anything that we would consider intelligent like us. Right. And, and that's where it gets really interesting. I just think it's hopping. The information that started this, civilization was just a former civilization gathering what they could hopping their apocalypse landing in our time and dying but leaving us as much information as they could that's that's just what i think you know what i mean and what i think is cool is that like we're learning that neanderthals were with um homo sapiens on the planet with like four other distinct um Mm -hmm. forms of life right like the there was mm-hmm. the small people in the Indonesias. They found a new species in Russia. It's just, and they were interbreeding and all that. And so when yeah, you had Cro-Magnon, you had right. uh, Homo sapien, you had Homo erectus. Yeah, you know, but you had those you had, off-skirt like Hobbit mm-hmm. <laughs> people. You know, so so even even within that realm, mm-hmm. what we understand, like, and and what we understand might be pushing back about one hundred and fifty thousand right that's and and compared to you know 4.6 billion years of our planet being what it is that's still something amazing but even if you just take a step back just in our portion of the milky way galaxy our you know our star system isn't that old and in the space of the universe's existence it has only existed for approximately one third of that time so with our finite understanding of time and history if let's say the world ended tomorrow that would mean that in the course of that time there could have been the potential that not just this but 
two additional life-creating, you know, stars, planets, etc., existed and f- disappeared from existence. Like we have yeah. no idea what potential civilizations even just existed within this. Now, if you think about that, and now expand that to the fact that um, you have you know, hundreds of billions of stars in one galaxy and then hundreds of billions of galaxies. Mm-hmm. The idea that somewhere out there, there isn't some form of intelligent life that has figured out things that we haven't, that has flourished and vanished from existence. It's, 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 I mean, it is a theoretical impossible that all that has ever existed in terms of life existed on this one little rock. Read. I do, I think that we're, we are within life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that like, uh, what is quantum mechanics is a lot like the universe studying the universe, just on a different scale. Like the cell mm-hmm. rotates just like the universe does, you know what I mean? And I think in that there's a symmetry there's a, uh, there's like supposed to be 12 dimensions. Here's a great question for you. I never expected to ask if there's 12 dimensions and we live within three of them. Does that mean there's a total of four different places to go or could the next dimension over to us actually contain six dimensions and there might be only be two places. <laughs> you know what I mean? They keep saying that, you know, quantum physics is complete with 12 dimensions and i'm always wondering but if we live in three like a fish lives in two if you pick a fish up you move him into a third dimension he never knew existed could people could we be picked up out of this universe and be shown like another four dimensions it's so confusing to me but this is where my mind wanders when i get high on a saturday night and watch ancient aliens you know what i mean so (laughs) And so just to give you an idea, we actually, so we live in four dimensions four? that we can, four okay. time, time is a dimension. So we live on an X, Y, Z axis. That's how we're able to have, you know, 3d spindly noodles. Mm. But then the fourth is time. Now there's all these wonderful questions, you know, uh, number one, like how, you know, because we're able to manipulate three dimensions, how do we manipulate the fourth dimension? You know, that right. was part of Einstein's theory of relativity mm-hmm. is, is that, you know, you couldn't, you know, there were a couple of different ways that you could quote unquote manipulate time was number one, you literally fold it right. so that way you can travel faster than the speed of light. Or number two, you punched a hole through uh, the time dimension. Now, of course, this is all highly theoretical. Right. You wouldn't actually but, be traveling faster than the speed of light. You'd just be going a shorter distance through time if you folded it. Mm-hmm. And you know, so you never, you never actually go faster than the speed of light. You literally fold the dimension of time, or you punch through the dimension right. of time. And that's one of those ones where we have absolutely no idea how that's possible. Yeah. Where would you go? You know, where would you end up? That's so, that's so, and that's that's the grand question. Right. Right. And that's the grand question is we we don't know. You want to hear something weird about time? If you're at sea level, it moves at one rate. If you're in the mountains, it moves slower. If you're in space, it moves even slower. The further you get away from gravity, the slower time goes. And in that you could stay up in space and come back down at a different time. Yep. 
And that's and that's that's something in and of itself that's yeah. absolutely fascinating, which is what lends to the idea of if we could fold time, what would that mean? Right. God, who sings that song? If we could fold back time. <laughs> no, that's turn back time, and that's share. God damn it. Um, so let's see here. That's so funny. Uh, looking at some of these other dimensions. Uh, so fifth and sixth are where the notion of possible uh, possible worlds arise. Uh, fifth dimension, we would see slightly different from our own. That would give us means for measuring similarity and differences between our world and other possible ones. Uh, six would be a plane of possible worlds where we could compare the position, uh, compare and position all the possible universes that start with the same initial conditions. So this is where we're getting into multiverse theory. Right, right. And, and, and that's where... Uh, um, that's where it really gets interesting. Seventh dimension, you have access to possible worlds that start with different initial conditions. Wow. Rick and Morty. So, <laughs> so this would be like, you know, if, if the big bang wasn't the big bang. Right. Right. Um, if it started eight, because a toaster popped up, <laughs> the eighth dimension gives us a plane of such possible universe histories, um, with different initial conditions and branches out indefinitely ninth dimension, uh, compare all possible universe history, starting at all the different possible laws of physics. Uh, this only says there's 10. So the 10th and final dimension uh, uh, arrive at the point in which everything possible and imaginable is covered. Wow. So, so it's not until we hit like the, like the, the sixth and seventh dimensions in fifth, sixth, seventh dimensions, that we start getting into multiverse theory. Multiverse theory is really interesting to me. It is. I wonder if I'm an asshole in every single dimension. <laughs> <laughs> Some I think, or, or there was, or one of the funnier ones was, you know, when when uh, John Oliver was interviewing Stephen Hawking, and and uh, John Oliver asked, "So what you're saying is, is there's possibly a dimension out there where I'm smarter than you." And Stephen Hawking replies with, and a dimension where you're funny. <laughs> I was like, you know, yeah, that's that. Yeah, and that's, and, and, and I think that's one of the glories of, you know, where, where we sit on the cusp of science. This is like these, you know, I, there's a reason why I love the, I don't know is because, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily deal with, you know, finalities. Right. Yeah. And that's one of those things where you could get into any number of philosophical arguments, you know, like for example, you know, the, we talk about in religion, heaven and hell often. So the question then would be, are heaven and hell just different planes of existence that fall within one of the, you know, seven to seven to nine dimension, the seventh or ninth mm -hmm. dimension or sixth or ninth dimension. Right. Or is it just an abstract of our own being? Well, and, you know, I think many a great philosopher have asked that question. Is it, you know, is it an idea that was simply made up to make, you know, people behave and be good to each other? Or, yeah. you know, is there, is this an actual plane of existence? I mean, to tell you that's like, you know, 
there's there you know if you look at multiverse theory there is nothing that says that the plane of heaven doesn't exist and that the plane of hell doesn't exist and so that's where it gets really interesting and then you know we also you know especially in the catholic church we we we're, we talk to we talk about limbo a lot uh or you know so that way you know where you're sitting there purgatory um, right another word for it and and that idea of you're just kind of sitting there waiting like it's just dead space <laughs> right well i think that's a lot of what existence is <laughs> you know i was thinking about the devil you know and mm-hmm. i thought to myself the thing about the devil is that religion is based on redemption and the devil is unredeemable and i don't get that oxymoron within religion that we would give up on a fallen angel because he did something so bad we wouldn't continue to try and and redeem well, him well and that's and that's actually where you know the difference in catholic philosophy is versus i would say you know more of the sectarian christianity right it's not that it's not that um it's not that satan was not redeemable it's that satan refused to be redeemed and that was the difference interesting okay so you know the concept was the concept was never that you know there you know you're completely unredeemable it's it's that you had the choice to be redeemed and people would actively make that choice to not be redeemed and then that's where you fall in with you know satan lucifer Mm. um morning star however you want to however you sure. put it but we're all given but, those choices every minute of every day on which direction to go and that and you that's know, the point you know exactly and you know that there are people out there that refuse to be you know refuse any type of redemption for themselves and that's and that's the reality is is that you know what the what the teaching really is about is is that you know you can you can make the choice to do right to do good or you can make the choice to do wrong redemption is there you have to seek it right and for those that refuse to seek it there's only one place that awaits you and that's and that's what the lesson is 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 you know hmm. he you know he refused redemption okay. now i like that that's, that's fine that's and and so the, that's where a lot of people you know, think that, you know, there's, there's this great, you know, the idea of this great other entity besides God that, you know, there was like this huge battle awaiting and it's really more metaphorical about, right. you know, you know his, the redemption was always there. It's just, if you refuse to take it, there's only, that's, that's all there is to it. Right. There's only so many, I told you so's the universe can give you before it just uh, calls your number. You know what I mean? Exactly. But in every movie, the, there's a bad guy that goes, oh, I want to be good now. And at the last minute, you know, redeems himself and finds salvation. That's what the world is about. You can do that and, at any time in any sort of way. And that's practicing, practicing that in small individual ways is how you begin to do that and begin thinking that your decision can positively affect somebody else if you make it or just yourself and Mm. and then you go on from there to where your decisions help more and more people or harm more and more people exactly yeah well that's awesome i love these philosophical discussions i try and stay away from religion because it's the one thing that i never even wanted to be educated on you know well and that's you know for me like having grown up in the church and and being the kind of person that i am where 
I read the Bible front to back three times, at least the Catholic version of the Bible. And of course, that's where, you know, I have to tell people, it's like, you know, there are multiple versions of the Bible. It's just you know, every sect has different books included or excluded or whatever. Right. Or, you know, they interpret messages differently. Some are like some, some sects, they, they, they interpret it like extremely literally, whereas, mm-hmm. you know, even within even within Catholicism, like we we take we took more of a metaphorical approach, right? And even understood the history behind some of the writings, like for example, Revelations, where they talk about the cities burning. It echoes Rome and Rome burning under Nero, like right. it's, it pretty much is like you know match for match, and 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 even and even still, you know, in a historical context, when you look at you know what was happening in Rome, you can literally put that on a number of different civilizations where uh-huh. you had a leader who didn't give a shit, and the world was burning around them, Time is and the people were left exactly so you know it was the understanding that you know there were there were all of these different metaphors for what the end times would look like and Mm -hmm. even still one of the things that we constantly you know had said was is that you don't know when the end time is period end of story and that's why you know you have all these people who try to predict when the end of the universe is when the end of the world is when jesus is going to return and we made it very clear you know there's what most people don't understand is, is that there are multiple ends of the universe. Mm-hmm. And the answer isn't just, you know, Jesus shows up. There's, you've got things like, for example, you know, what happens when your lights go out for the last time and you lay down and that's it. But, the, you know, in a sense, that is the end of the universe because exactly. you don't exist in it anymore. And, or, or, uh, or, or, you know, you know, there's any number of there's any number of different possibilities of mm-hmm. what the end looks like. Yeah, it only says that you know in the end Jesus will come for you, and and so the question is is you know is it kind of like the bus where you know you have a bunch of souls waiting and one day Jesus shows up and goes all right everybody on the bus <laughs> or is it or is it you know more of an individual approach where when your time comes and you expire you know, you supposedly have, you know, Jesus waiting to take you home, you know, there's, there's all of these different philosophical and theoretical possibilities behind it. But that was the lesson is, is that there was no predictability in what the end was. There were certain signs that, you know, if you look at civilization in general, yeah, that's pretty accurate. You know, if you have great wars for example which when you look at the time of europe and you look at the way that you know how rome was sacked yeah <clears throat> the civilized world looked to be falling apart at that point in time mm-hmm. um when you look at you know famine disease you know plagues you had any number of different you know crop failures and you know the black death deciding that it needed three world tours you know the the reality was is, is that there were multiple different conditions of the end um and every single time humanity has made it out of that i'm not saying not worse for the wear but survived yes right. and and of course you know you had a number of people that were like oh this you know especially with covid though this is the flu oh this is the end of the end of the world and i'm like yeah, you know, once again, you know, if it is the end of the world, then, you know, here's my bus ticket, you know, until then I'm going to keep riding. It's the end of the world for someone. 
It is. And, and of course, you know, now with the threats of World War III and nuclear holocaust, at this point, I'm just kind of like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to go with chaotic neutral on this one. I'm either going to, like, you know, get naked and put my ass up in the air and try to catch an atomic bomb, or I'll just walk out naked with a cooler of beer and a, and a hot dog on a stick, and I'm just going to point it towards, you know, the mushroom cloud and see if yeah. I can get myself a nuclear hot dog. The, the idea that, you know, the idea of being terrified of the end, especially having been dead twice, just doesn't work for me right because because i'm not afraid of what happens when the lights go off for the last time in fact there's a lot of comfort for me in the fact that at some point this is done and it's over yeah it's it, there's there's this huge looming question of what the fuck happens after that and the answers that you have to be comfortable with are maybe something maybe nothing yeah and and like every other adventure in life, you just have to be willing to accept the fact that there are things well beyond your control, and you're only going to find out once you get there. Agree. I think you need to just be able to have the life at the end to where you can take a breath and go. Like when you dive into water, before you shoot a gun or shoot an arrow, you take a breath to calm yourself and then do what needs to be done. I think you need to work towards a life where you don't have these regrets on your head so you can go on. That's it, you know? I think also, I think the problem with religion is is that to get the full picture, you need to read all three of the major religions, right? You need the Torah, you need the Bible, and you need um, Muslims. What is it? The Torah? No. The, what is it? The Muslim Torah. Quran. Quran, thank you. But I also think we're missing the Mayan version, which I think really goes in with that. Well, the, you also have the you also have the Chinese I Ching. Yeah, I, yeah, I get those. I, and India is huge so many, too. But I think yeah. I think those are telling stories more here. I think the the other religions have a different take on it. Like India seems to want to say this is what we saw in the times that we were here, right? Like this is a recording of history and China's religion is like a recording of history, but like Buddhism, that I think is more transcendent. And I think Jesus has a more transcendent message and the Quran and the Torah do too. And the Mayans with their calendars, they all seem to have a bigger picture than say recording events on earth, you know? And so to get the full picture, you need you need all you need information on all of that and i wish we would update the bible again king james updated it what 2000 years ago shouldn't we update it <laughs> now and make it more relative to today's le- learnings and lessons and morals and characters oh i mean there's there's so many things that you could possibly do with it and that's what makes yeah. it so intriguing and interesting Nobody cool could translate the Bible into today's terms because nobody cool puts that much investment into it, you know? <laughs> you know well, I mean, and the reality is, is that you're looking at a world that has that doesn't really have a whole lot of homogenized views anymore. Yeah. Like, just because you, you have such a wide and diverse population. So, like, for example... Um, you know, when you think about 
where, you know, the state of some parts of the world are where, you know, women are, you know, still considered property versus, you know, here where, you know, yeah, stop that. their own, ind- own, their own independent functioning beings. Um, I mean, even like just something just as simple as that, you're, there's no way that you're going to quote unquote have a new Bible that's going to become universal. And in no, fact, that's no, what no. I would argue. That's what I would argue is, is that all of these new interpretations have been, you know, from, from, you know, just looking at the Abrahamic religions, because that's more uh, what I have is you have the old Testament, which Jewish. Oh uh, yeah. Torah. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you had uh, the word 2.0, which, you know, included a lot of a lot more about how, you know, being saved and and eternal life was a thing. Um, And then for, you know, uh, Muslims, you had, you know, 3.0 because, you know, Jesus is a central figure within their work as well. And that's the difference is, is that, you know, there were times in which you could have these, you know, 3.0s mm-hmm. and, and some would argue that they have 4.0 and well, I do. Yeah. And, 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 you know, for as much as some of us look at it and go, yeah, no, that's definitely not it. <laughs> but I also think that it's like saying, Oh, I like John wick three, but I don't really believe John wick one and two existed mm-hmm. to me, you know, like to get the full picture, you got to see the whole, the whole trilogy in its exactly. power and glory <laughs> and also spirituality is just one dimension of human existence it's not it doesn't answer mm-hmm. everything but it's there to answer like the edges of everything <laughs> you know? i think I, I, for me it was always you know the way that i looked at it is it, it was supposed to be a, a great moral guide mm-hmm. on how to navigate life uh in this plane of existence the idea that you know don't kill people don't be a jackass and right and take people's stuff, be kind to one another, you know, look out for each other. Um, then there's, of course, you know, some of the other ones like don't worship false gods and all that other stuff. And I'm like, right. hey, whatever. I think it's there to answer the unexplainable until we explain it. And then spirituality is still the outer edge of that. You know, it's not you know, about and- disproving spirituality. It's just about proving existence and spirituality will always be around that. Until I mean, you, and that's until you prove the entire like universe. And that's where, you know, some people really look at it and it's like, you know, science explains the, how something works. You know, we know how light travels. We know mm-hmm. how we, we have a pretty good idea of how old the universe is based on the level of tools that we have. We have a great understanding of how certain things exist. Why the big bang was the big bang. We have no idea. Barely know how light moves. <laughs> we just discovered that it has a sound wave and a light wave. Like you know, it's in two dimensions coming to us. This uh, what is that? The split theory. So yeah, yeah, light moves as as a particle and as a wave. Right. I mean, we're just learning about this stuff. Like, here's a concept I never thought of. We just discovered dark matter, right? then that might mm-hmm. prove that we are in fact not being held on the earth by gravity, but being pushed down on the earth by dark matter. Well, that's, um, and that's where it gets interesting is, is that, you know, from what we can tell, like I said, what we can tell, <laughs> right? that doesn't, that doesn't seem to be it at all. It seems to be um, like a great canceller of, of, of things that got, have gone rogue. 
uh, in, a, in in from what we can tell. Interesting. <clears throat> but we're just well, learning about this the, stuff. I think it's well, no, so cool. So well, and so you have you have matter, you have dark matter, you have antimatter, mm-hmm. which is different from dark matter, right? It sucks in matter. <laughs> it literally is. It literally is the cancellation of matter. Right. It literally turns it into non-existence. And it's out it's, there in the universe, by the way, eating like millions of. I mean, I can't star starlight measurements of universe. So. With all of that, just remember, there is so much out there that is so fantastic and so beautiful. Mm. Don't choose to be a dick. (laughs) Don't choose to be a dick to everybody else. And also, all of that universe and beauty and mystery, it's extrapolated into every cell of you. You know what I mean? You are a part of that. We're all made up of the stardust that came from and through the universe you know it's it's all it's all part of one thing you know Mm -hmm. so cool and on that note um so a journalist was killed in russia or in ukraine in a russian attack i like our conversation better buddy you know what i mean oh yeah i like that so much better but a journalist was killed in ukraine um so we we my 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 question is it's so weird i don't know how to segue to this it was such a horrible segue thanks for listening to public access america <laughs> we started this episode with a new thing a new series that we're going to be starting the episodes with um and it's called just the tip and what we're going to be doing is just one minute quick tips about different aspects of life this one is on how to create um more accessible social media content and that's just by keeping your posts succinct and to the point for people with cognitive uh, disabilities and reading disabilities. It helps when the point is first and foremost. So my question about this is, when are we going to stop worrying about hitting Putin's red line and start making him worry about hitting ours? You know, somebody said, what can we do for Ukraine? And I said, for some reason, it doesn't make sense to me that we can't put NATO forces just in there to you know around a nuclear facility and say we're not we're not being um we're not trying to attack you we're just standing here don't attack us and make him worry about confronting us you know what i mean mm. well that's that's where this would get fun let's put our asses on the table you know <laughs> well and that's and that's and basically like they're like we've had we i don't in all of the conversations, we've never really talked about what our red line is. And I think that's, that's right. Important. We need to start. That's thinking really important. About that. And I say that because <clears throat> you, as you've heard, you know, you have Putin, you know, raising the nuclear nuclear uh, readiness of his. Right. His, his forces. Uh, he's testing our red line. Did we jump? Did we jump across the Ukraine border when he said nuclear? Did we jump when he attacked the nuclear facility? He's testing our red line. And and now with the most recent potential threat of chemical weapons deployment, mm-hmm. you have this question of if chemical weapons are deployed in Ukraine, is that a red line for anybody in the world? Right. And this is where you have the issue of NATO involvement versus 
um, what I would say, you know, a general world involvement. But just really quickly before we get past that, I want to say this is like a child being a brat asking you where boundaries are. If you don't tell them where the boundary is, they're going to constantly look for it. Okay, sorry. So there's been all of this conversation surrounding NATO this, NATO that. Mm -hmm. And there has to be a point where NATO in a sense, gets put aside because they're, the world has a general obligation to do something greater. Right. And that, and, and that needs to be the conversation. So get native NATO is a defensive clause. Absolutely. And, and, and the idea was, is that if you attacked a NATO member, all other NATO members would come to the defense of that nation, which happened on nine 11. Right. But at some point there has to be, there has to be the discussion of what it looks like to go in and defend a people, not because it's a NATO thing, but because it's, it's a human thing. A, it's a European thing. It's a human thing to do. Right. And that's, and, and, and I would argue that the United States has had precedent in doing that. And that precedent needs to be set again. If that's, if that is something we want to do now, I'm going to say this. Do I want us to be involved in a war? No, I don't. Nobody should want that. No. And that's the difference. But there is a point in which you have to, you have to look at two things. Number one is at what point are you literally foregoing humanity just because you're afraid of somebody else? Right. Like at some point the world has to decide what is happening in Ukraine is not acceptable. And it's not about taking over Russia. It's about protecting Ukraine. That's and, right. And that's, and that it's not a NATO coalition thing. It is a world coalition thing. And here's where we saw something similar to that play out. Look at uh, Kuwait and Iraq desert storm. The issue wasn't that we were going to go in and depose Saddam. I mean, there were people that wanted to at that time, but the issue was, is, is that it was about getting the Iraqis out of Kuwait. And that is what has to be looked at. And what happened there was you had a coalition, a coalition of Arab forces that said, we will defend Kuwait and we will go in with you if we can all agree on what the mission is right. and that's what happened and sure there were people who wanted to push into baghdad and they wanted to take out saddam but it was made very clear that the operation was solely to get control of the weight yeah period end of story saddam so wanted, at some point saddam wanted a land bridge to the coast the gulf so that he could get his oil out and not have to pay kuwait to do that and then Iran started hitting Saddam's boats. And then so Saddam started hitting their boats. And we were like, oh, you're disrupting oil supply. We got to step in now. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, that and there was, you know, there was also this these undertones that what was happening was Kuwait was setting up oil wells next to Iraq's border. Right. Horizontal drilling in and, and sucking Iraq's oil out. There right. was that whole issue as well uh, as part of it. Mm-hmm. And, but basically what it boiled down to and was weapons after of mass a lo- destruction. We throw that in there, too, then. That was the, that was, yeah, that one didn't really come up to play. But the issue was, is that <laughs> Iraq was broke after fighting Iran for a number of years. Right. 
And so they needed money. And what sells? Oil sells. So that's what happened. They were right. trying to recoup their costs that way. Now, <clears throat> that land that land bridge that Saddam was trying to create through Kuwait was also on the border of Iran. <laughs> yep. So that's where so so having a, a military precedent like that where Europe has to agree, mm-hmm. not NATO, Europe has to agree to go in and perform a well, for lack of better words, we'll just use the Russian term, a special military operation right? in order to protect the people of Ukraine, period that's of right. the story. In that Iraq- and, that's what, and, and that's where this would be not a NATO thing, but, but a world coalition thing. Now, do I think China will get involved? No. I think they're actively think- against us. I think so is Saudi Arabia and Iran. I think... I, I, I don't think they would get the reason why I don't think they would get involved is is that we're their biggest trading partner. They're going they're not going to fuck up their didn't they line just get for involved? Russia. Didn't they just get involved no. by creating misinformation about chemical weapons? Did they no, they're like, spreading I'm just, it. They're, they I'm didn't just hearing it. okay, they they're just spreading it. They didn't create it. They're just All spreading right. it. All yeah. Right. And then, and even then, you know, there's been a larger question. And let's not forget about India of, that's refuses to um, say that Russia's invading Ukraine. That's all. But that is a whole mass of the world that is not on our side. You know. But they're also they're also not on Russia's side either, and that's the other thing. Well, yeah, they're still buying. They still get weaponry from Russia. These are people, and, they, and they're also still buying stuff from us. India right. has India has a long history of being. Well, that's where the term "the third world" comes from. Is ah. If you were first world, you were aligned with the U.S. If you were Ooh. second world, you were aligned with the USSR. Ooh. And if you were third world, you weren't aligned with any of them. Okay, Savages. you literally just you literally just kind of worked with whoever. And and that's something that India has always maintained. They've okay. always they it's it's not that they're neutral. It's that they don't limit who they work with. I got gotcha. you. Okay. You know it's it's not like so Switzerland they abstained. Or they abstained. They didn't you know say they were opposed to Russia's movements or against it. They just abstained from having an opinion. Exactly. They gotcha. they kind of view it as you know you know we're not involved with it so it's not our thing to really get involved with. okay well you know whereas you know you know you have you know the the russian bloc uh, you know and, and some of the former soviet republics seeing it as as uh an eastern thing and you have you know europe and the united states and and its allies seeing it as a western issue so that's the difference is it, it's I mean, it's it's disappointing to hear what the Indian opinion is on it, uh, just because you know we do think that there is, we do think that there's a pretty clear cut problem in what Russia is doing, but at the same time too, we also have to understand that you know they have maintained that sense of of uh, not neutrality, but abstention from some uh, from certain things simply because it does not uh, taking a position on it one way or the other doesn't doesn't benefit them uh, in either way so with so so going back to going back to that you know we have precedent in creating world coalitions or or large enough coalitions to go in and 
And, and that way it's not just a U.S. thing going in and squaring off against Russia. It's right. the entirety of, of the European continent going in and saying this is a problem. And or or like, the majority of the European continent going in and saying this is a problem. It looks like Poland is on our side if we were to do that, right? With these yes. airplanes. Because they, they don't want to send the airplanes in, but they want Ukraine to have those airplanes. Republicans want Ukraine to have those airplanes, but nobody can agree on on how to get those airplanes there without crossing a red line, you know? Well, and that's, and that's the problem. Is, is that is that the problem. Russia, and, and this is where problem number two comes in. And this one actually worries me a lot more than problem number one. So what we have done with this situation is capitulated to a certain extent mm-hmm. that we're not going to get involved if a nuclear power is involved, i.e. Russia. Right. So what we are effectively telling the world, especially the smaller countries and despots of the world, is the United States, if you are a nuclear power, especially a nuclear superpower, we will not get involved if you threaten us. And if that is if that is the line in the sand that people are going to draw, what you're going to see is a lot of countries develop nuclear weapons for the very strategic purpose of, well, the U S won't square off with somebody who's got nukes. Right. So, and that's, and that's an issue in and of itself. There's a lot of issues leading us to isolationism across the world that way, you know, by, by weaponizing the dollar economists, economists say that by weaponizing the dollar we're actually telling other countries that we can weaponize the dollar and that would be scary to another country you know i mean you look at you look at what's happened with russia's market i mean it is yeah let's see i'm I'm curious how much is a dollar you know uh rubles to dollars yeah well because russia actually offered every dead russian soldier five million rubles you know, in a compensation for the loss of their loved one, you know, and really quickly while you're reading right before that, you, um, right before that Kuwait war, Saudi Arabia was scared that their boats were going to get shot out of the water and their oil was going to go to the bottom of the strait. So they had us put American flags on their ships so they would have safe patch passage. Right. And now Saudi Arabia is not even taking our phone calls. And that's a problem, you know, there's a real separation between good and evil starting. And I think there's going to become a dark economy between this India, uh, Iran, Saudi Arabia, you know, Russia, China, North Korea, because North Korea's market will suddenly be booming and open in a dark economy. It's not going to be sanctioned in a dark economy, you know? Right. So, so right now, uh, just to give you an idea, Basically, the ruble is worth half of what it was at the beginning of the war because it was worth about it was worth about one point four five cents. Okay, and now it's worth about a point zero zero seven five cents. So it's literally about half of what it was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like having Starbucks bucks at McDonald's, right? Oh man. Hey, congratulations I mean, to McDonald's for getting out of Russia. That was a that was a big investment they gave up on. 
you know? And now Putin's like, we're going to seize all the assets if you leave. That's crazy. That's just crazy. That guy's just attacking everybody. Is he, yeah. Is he suffering from like long hauler syndrome? Is There's this been like a lot of questions. Syphilis? There's been a lot of questions. <laughs> well, oh, something. There's been a lot of questions, to be perfectly honest. And and what they're wondering is, is, is he isolated himself a lot during COVID? Mm-hmm. And so there's questions about his mental health and integrity in that realm. I think he's just being a brat. I think he's just, nobody ever stopped him before, right? He, nobody stopped him in Georgia, Crimea, Donbass. Like, and then he started attacking countries. I started thinking like his cyber attacks nearly took down America, right? 350 million people. It, the only reason it didn't take down Ukraine is because they knew it. They recognized that they saw it on their front line, fought against it, and they were fighting for democracy. They still are because they recognized mm-hmm. it. But places like Moldova, Estonia, um, these places, they don't have the protection that we have. And a cyber campaign in those countries could decimate those so easily before Putin ever stepped foot in there. You know. Well, you've also seen the rise, too, of... of- uh, a lot of the the systems that are being used being defended by private entities. Wow. Microsoft actually stepped in and stopped a number of uh, cyber attacks against Ukraine. Fuck yeah, Microsoft. I like you. If you were more accessible, I would support you because you really do things in this world. I mean, uh, on a similar note, um, the current CEO's son just passed away and uh, a lot of people have said that his son, who who I want to say had MS or something like that, um, <clears throat> was the reason why Xbox's adaptive controller got developed. So because his kid could never play video games due to accessibility issues. And so the adaptive controller got developed as a way to help, you know, people with disabilities. I'm going to say that corporations aren't opposed to instituting accessibility, but disabled people, they think they all want to be unique and say, I'm the only one that needs this. And if I don't struggle through it, I have no more disabled identity. So they don't want to come together on means of accessibility that could be created for them. You know, it's a real struggle, Jeffrey, in the disabled community. Well, (laughs) it really is. And it's so frustrating. I can only imagine. I mean, I don't want to be a jerk. Black people have BLM. They can rally around criminal justice reform and equality, right? Women, they have women's rights movements, women's marches. Disabled people are like, no, I'm special. (laughs) Sorry. Being a disabled person, I can say that. That's me. (laughs) Public Access America. It's always funny because like... Especially because as you know, libertarians, we get a ton of shit, even amongst other libertarians. I think political philosophy is a lot like religion, and where there's moments you have to go on faith and trust what somebody else is saying. The main, the main focus is it's like less dependence on the government because, well, we've seen how that's gone, and you don't have to do that if you think about it in a human way. You know, more dependence on connections with each other. But you can always bring it back to what would one human do for another? What would a hundred do for a hundred? People looking out for people. Find Public Access America anywhere you find your favorite podcast every Sunday and Thursday. And join the chat on YouTube at Public Access America every Sunday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Communities looking out for community. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making. In the making. In the making. In the making. 
I mean, hey, you know what? You're allowed to say that. You you have you have the card, right? You know, and and but but you see that with any number of different groups and organizations. Uh-huh. I yeah. mean, even if you look at something as simple as you know Occupy Wall Street back in 2011. It started out with one goal, but then it split into two because somebody wanted a different set of goals met compared to the other group. Oh yeah, and then and then you and and that's the thing is is that you just watched as all of these groups splintered and splintered and splintered and splintered until there was no longer a cohesive a cohesive demand or desire or or wish list and yeah and eventually everybody just kind of went okay whatever. I think about that with women's rights because Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton fought for women's rights. But then there was a splinter group from within that that wanted more progressive, a more progressive version of women's rights. And out of those two groups split another camp that was anti-ERA for fear of having a responsibility in the situation. And then from there, Frederick Douglass came in and said, hey, can you put that all on the back burner while we fight for our rights as black people? And it was, that's just within that one issue. And that's why I always say nobody's ever going to congeal on one thing except humanity. It's the only thing we all have in common. Otherwise we're going to fracture on every single other issue <laughs> because while I see red as this big bright color behind us, you see red in a different way and we're never going to see everything identically. Never. That's the joy of life. That's the joy of having this discussion where we all see things slightly differently, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And and that's just it is, is that, you know, we all have the same, you know, we all have the same wants and desires. And the question becomes, you know, how does, how do we help each other uh, achieve that goal? Like, or stay for example, out of the way, you know? <laughs> you know, for example, you know, do, do I need a pair of, of glasses that if I pick something up and hold it up to my face, it's going to say that it's a can of condensed cream of mushroom soup? No, but I think it should exist because it'll help somebody else like you out there. But it will also help you. It'll also, if you, if the technology came to a point where everybody was going to use it like text, text was for the deaf. Now we all use text and I would be bet that you would love a tool where you could be taking care of a baby and just mindlessly looking around and getting like what's in your view you know where are my keys Uh, keys keys okay yeah you know (laughs) or or for example like you know at some point i guarantee you you know right now you're seeing what i would argue is the beginning of automation of of certain simple tasks things that things that take time that we literally can't afford to spend right and and the ability for machines to read what these things are is important benefits everyone well it 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 has it has benefited people in being able to number one catalog inventory Mm -hmm. and figure out how much is something they have but number two as that improves what you're going to have is you're going to have machines that are capable of picking out things for people and having them ready for you to pick up. Yep. And that's what I would argue that a lot of, you know, these curbside pickups have become is, is it's, it's what I would call the pre alpha version of automated delivery, mm-hmm. automated self pickup and delivery. And so the answer there is, is that when the system is able to figure out, Hey, if I look at this and I know that this is a Campbell's condensed cream of mushroom soup, the system can go through and go, okay, if 
I don't have the Campbell's cream of mushroom soup. Can I get the Campbell's cream of mushroom low sodium? Will that be an acceptable substitute? Or, hey, how mm-hmm. about the store brand cream of mushroom soup? Is that an acceptable one? And so you'll teach these systems how to recognize what acceptable substitutes are. And you're actually kind of seeing this in memes right now uh, where, you know, Walmart is like, hey, sorry, we didn't have cream of mushroom soup. How about toilet paper? And it's like, right. what the fuck? <clears throat> my, but my personal shopper is great with that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I, and sometimes overboard too, you know, sometimes they mm-hmm. go a little, did you want this or this? It's the same thing. No, one's the generic ones yet, the, but they're both the same color, but they're different products. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but, Put it in the bag. but it's so awesome, but it's also annoying <clears throat> because I'm trying to, you know, make my life easier by shopping, not fill the time I would have spent shopping by answering the shopping questions. But then there's other shoppers that are like, I just did. I just substituted it. And I'm like, thank you. So, you know, Mm -hmm. but I love it. I wanted to say like with DoorDash, you know, you spend like 12 extra dollars to get crappy food an hour later, but with Instacart, you just order your food and you make it right there. It's like the reverse of fast food. Mm-hmm. You're getting the food, making it the way you want, and it's hot and perfect the way you like it when it's ready. And I right. like that. So get off a of DoorDash, get onto Instacart, and eat better because junk food is yeah. junk. And so, and so eventually, what you will see, and especially as like robot technology improves, mm. you will have robots that will be capable of number one, going through aisles and picking things out. Right. But I would argue, number two, that what you would end up having is distribution centers like uh, that'll be able to take some of those those robots. And, it's, you know, you'll have, number one, like for larger, you know, for larger operations, for example, yeah. be like, all right, flat of this, flat of this, flat of this, package it, gone, next one. Right. And then for individuals, you'll have robotic shoppers that, go through the aisles and it's like oh hey we're out of this one how about this one perfect grab it yep and and it'll know inherently because the thing about data is that each decision gets logged and what happens is it starts to develop these patterns of oh well when i when this gets selected there is a you know 80 percent likelihood it is accepted yeah. Next one is going to be this one. Next one's going to be this one. And as that data builds, all of a sudden, these shoppers, mm-hmm. these robotic shoppers become more self-sufficient. Yeah, it's called and, reorder points. Every the, the world lives on reorder points. And if you want your groceries to be affordable, stay consistent with your shopping so the store knows what they need to buy every month. And that's where all those, you know, little shopper cards come in handy. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, this person buys this, 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 this. All right. I know that I need to buy it then on this schedule. Right. And, and, you know, the more that you have of that. But with these robotic shoppers, essentially what you will have is you will have a worker that can work around the clock. You'll have someone who's like, yeah, no, just have my order ready for me in 24 hours. So you'll have somebody that's like, yeah, I need it within a couple hours. Cause as soon as I get off work, I'm going to pull up and I need it. Right. And in people, you know, you'll have that option of, you know, 24 hour, you know, if, if you pick this up in 20, you know, if you choose the 24 hour option, you know, your, your order will, it'll only cost you say $5 to have your, your robotic shopper pick this up. But if you choose the two hour option, yeah, it's going to cost you a premium because you're going to have to expend a, a resource in order to make this a priority. It's silly because delivery is free. And priority delivery within the hour is $2 on Instacart. 
That's ridiculous. Just get it delivered. And also Instacart, you should be given those discounts you give to pickups to deliveries for people on disabilities too, by the way. <laughs> so there's a number, there's a number of ways in which we'll, mm-hmm. I, I do believe it, we will see things change. And mm-hmm. it's not that you won't see people going into the grocery store to go shopping. I think there will be a new norm at some point of robots coming in, doing the shopping for Uh, certain groups of people and yeah it's not going to be like you know having somebody like instacart come in and be like okay i'm picking this one picking this one picking this one and go 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 go. right but but you will have i would say 16 hours where these robots are going to be able to fulfill certain orders and have them ready to either a you know go out for pickup or b go you know wait for say some sort of final check from you know right. a person or or final uh things that you know had to be refrigerated or whatever hmm. I like it. You know, what's really cool is that farms are doing this where you can, there's certain farms in your community that don't know how much to plant or what to plant and they don't want to guess. So they take orders in advance for, for like meat or rutabagas or carrots, or somebody will order five pounds of potatoes at the end of the season. And they'll, they'll give you five pounds in the course of the season for your order ahead of time you pay them ahead of time for the potatoes then they grow what what's needed you know mm-hmm. i love that stuff i love this world i have a question about farming but i'm gonna say thank you for listening to public access america we will be back after this song to those who would tear the world down we will defeat you this is our moment this is our time to those who seek peace and security we support you yes we can and to all Stitcher, Stitcher, Radio, Radio, Radio Public, Public, and Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making.
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.